Hello, how are we doing, Ann and Weldon? We are doing well. We're just taking our time moseying, as we call it, moseying <laughs> to Georgia. Are you moseying to Georgia? Is the wind blowing you that way, the West Texas wind? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. We put it in neutral and just, we're getting really good gas mileage. Well, you know, it does come out of the Southwest, doesn't it? Yeah. Normally, prevailing I, winds. I tell people all the time, it's like, you should see the trees up in the panhandle. They grow like this angle, and you can kind of tell where the, which way the wind blows. It's pretty prevalent. It's so it true. Is. It is so true. That, that is a fact of nature. <laughs> well, we get to do a lot of education, and, and you know, we're doing this ranch talk and everything. I think y'all have heard a couple of them, and I wanted to bring yeah. you guys in. And, uh, hey, Weldon, Ann was telling me your kind of idea of what you were, after, I think it was, which one did you hear? Was it Cole or was it Jason? Which one did you hear? We've that, heard Jason and we've heard uh, Will Harris we've heard and Scott. Scott. Will, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah Scott. And, yeah. and uh, Ann told me you had a good idea, Weldon. Well, I think it is only in that I think uh, your uh, listeners would enjoy some humor uh ranch humor uh and so it didn't take didn't take very long for ann and i to come up with about you know 10 we could probably come up with 30 things uh that have happened to us uh in our ranching activities that the average that don't happen to the average family uh just in their daily working lives the things that we go through and happen uh you know all these different things, and that your listeners would just get a kick out of that, and they'll be they'll have a grin on their face. They're just going to go, wow, you know that. Looking back, that would really be fun. Maybe at the time, maybe it wasn't fun, but it's certainly fun to, for them to hear uh, what this life is like. Uh, you know that involves kids and the parents and ranch hands and uh, all the different things that happen to you. And so we are just going to kind of elaborate if you let us, uh, on these uh, things that have happened to us over the years. Uh, and, and it's kind of from our kids growing up, you know, they were young. Uh, if you want to put that in there about the snake, uh, <laughs> our kids were really young when we first moved to our first uh, ranch location that we leased a ranch uh, near Possum Kingdom. And people hadn't lived in the house in years, so there were black widows in there and all these kind of stories. Uh, Anne was... Uh, having to kill, go out to the chicken house with a 30-30 every day just in case she ran into something that we really didn't want to have to deal with. <laughs> and so she shot a, unfortunately, she ended up shooting a good, uh, what I'll call an egg snake. The, they're really not that good, but you don't, you, anyway, they were eating our eggs, these chicken, these uh, snakes. They were huge. What I kind of snake were they? Just those bull snakes? What were they? Oh, these were these were ch chicken snakes. What we called them. They would go into a chicken, uh, you know, wherever you had your boxes, and they would start eating your eggs. They were about three inches in diameter and maybe six to seven feet long, and they hide in the rafters. And so, you know, you're not normally looking up when you walk into a chicken roost. No. But if, if you do look up, <laughs> there's a big snake right above you about two feet. You know, those chicken roosts really aren't that tall. Uh, it's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit intimidating uh, to look up and see a big snake. So, you, so your listener knows that there's kind of a joke in our family. Um, 
before I married Weldon, or after we were married, actually, we were already married, already had children, and uh, that's when Weldon had his um, stroke, and we were going to move to the country and just start a completely different life, because Weldon was a money manager, and we were living in the city. Everyone always would ask, oh, were you raised in the country? And Weldon was like, yep, I'm going back to my roots. I was born and raised in West Texas, and we're you know, moving back there and, and going to just go back to our roots, go back to what God has called us to do. And then they would look at me and say, well, were you raised in the country? And the answer was, well, the country club, does that count? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was definitely raised very much a city girl um, and married Weldon, who was a city man at that time. Um, but he absolutely picked us up and moved us to, this, to the country. And so for me, when he tells you that I was carrying the 3030, that was a completely new experience um, for me. Um, in fact, the first snake, it was a small rattlesnake, and I just trapped it under a bucket and then went and found Weldon. And when we got back, the bucket, of course, was empty. And so he said, you can't do that. you got to shoot them. <laughs> so, so the next time when we saw this huge, giant, giant, I mean, to me, it was giant chicken snake. Um, it was my son that saw it first. He goes, ooh, that's a pretty yellow snake. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I run and get the 30-30 and kill it. And little did I know that its mate was actually in the rafters of the chicken house. So we had that, and it, Weldon was able to shoot that one. But quite quite the you know, new experience for a city girl out there. I love it. I mean, because, you know, a lot of city folk, and I'm sorry, city folk, we're not making fun or anything. It's it's just what it is. In it, in I can I can I can hear my mom right now because one of her fondest memories, and you know, I, you heard me say bull snake, and you guys know what a bull snake is in West Texas. Uh -huh. And so, one day, I hear I am probably about five years old, and we had a we lived in Canyon, you know, and it was small back then. It was like less than seven thousand. And uh, there was a lot of just open lots, you know, the, the development hadn't happened where our house was. And so I had a big old playground, you know, and I dug in the dirt. I did everything. Well, one day here I come walking up and I'm I'm not even four foot probably at this time. I've got a six foot bull snake over a, a, a damn limb of a tree because that's the only way I could carry it. But I'd wrangled that name bull snake. I probably was five or six, but... That was kind of my first introduction into the West Texas bull snake. So everybody, you know, out there, don't get afraid. I hope you don't have snake dreams, but it is true. It is factual. We do have to deal with snakes in West Texas and in Texas and really, you know, in the South, especially, you know, here in the United States. And yes. they do love to eat chicken eggs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was, that's hilarious stuff. So um, if, if, if you think that would... <laughs> One, I think it'll be a, a little bit educational, just the everyday lives of a rancher. And yeah. It'll be entertaining. And rather than, uh, they're going to get plenty of exposure to the, the reasons why we need to be eating this way, the health benefits of the animal proteins and such. So uh, if they just hear that over and over again, that's okay. Uh, but ours was going to be a little bit more lighthearted. Well, that's what we're doing right now. We're recording right now, so we're going to we're going to be talking about it anytime you want. Uh, that's what these phone calls are. They're not scripted. It's just me giving you guys a call, and here we get to talk about it. So, 
okay. I mean, they're 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 going to be uh, there are. I, I think we're we're on to something because people really want to hear what you guys are doing. How did you get here? You know, what are the stories? What is the lighthearted stories? I don't like to cuss that much, but, you know, I told Cole, I said, we're going to start bullshitting a little bit more here because people deserve <laughs> to laugh a little bit about a cowboy bullshitter. And everybody's, right. you know, you know me, I'm Texas Slim, so. Right. Well, I'll, I'll share one thing. Okay. Um, I think listeners, we're talking about snakes, and, you know, when you have young children, um, not to scare anyone away, because Weldon always loves to mentor people how to homestead, and I think a lot of people need to get back and get into the role at lifestyles. Number one, it's a great way to raise children. But number two, just getting your hands in the dirt and getting all of all the you know minerals and all of that, and of course the fresh food, etc. But one of our best um, sounding alarms when it was a goose, and so we <laughs> had we had a goose and, and a gander, um, and that when they they let us know when snakes are coming. That's just kind of their job. They're another source of a watchdog. And so we really, they were just pets. They, we didn't harvest them or we didn't even get their eggs or do anything like that. They were just there solely to keep the snakes to let us know when snakes were coming. And bull snakes were definitely what we were, as far as children, we were definitely wanting, obviously there's poisonous snakes too, but um, those bull snakes are very, very aggressive. So I'm, I'm so impressed that you wrangled them because they're so aggressive. <laughs> they really are. They're very terrifying if you don't know what they are because they can look a lot like a rattlesnake if you don't know what you know rattlesnakes look like. But yes, they're just big. They're menacing, and so yes. You, yes. <laughs> but anyway, well, so anyone who's listening, get yourself a goose, and and they'll let you know when the snakes are near. So there you go. Well, you know what we had. Growing up, uh, we had the five and dime there in uh, Canyon, and what he did, he sold uh, he sold ducks and he sold chickens. You know, during the time when it was time to yes. sell ducks and chickens, one day I come walking up because I had my five and dime leaving school one day. Well, I got myself a duck, and his name was Beaky. Okay, well, Beaky was my pet, and he was a good duck. But one thing I didn't know that I was so young, I didn't know they clipped those ducks' wings, and so. Me and Beaky get, got on top of the rooftop, and I was going to let Beaky fly. And I, you know, let Beaky, you know, I let him loose. Well, he didn't fly. He dropped, and he broke his leg. Well, Beaky, Beaky walked with a limp. But one thing Beaky also did is he swam in a circle, a very tight circle. And so what would we do? We'd get the wash tub and let Beaky swim, and he just he was fine. He went one direction. You know, he always went left to right, clockwise, Beaky. And so Beaky always looked at me a little weird whenever, you know, I, I was picking him up because he thought he was going to get thrown off the roof. But Beaky didn't fly. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Good story. Well, we just have so many of these, and that's what's the fun part of living in the country. You never know what will happen to you on any given day, and you just wake up every day and you have chores to do. Uh, you have a schedule that you'd like to keep but rarely do you keep it exactly the way you had hoped to for that day. Uh, as an example, uh, we were, you know, most of our uh, grass-fed operation is on cultivated land where we are sowing or drilling our summer and our winter forage. And so uh, we have really good crops. So we'll, this one year we had a mix of probably uh, five to six uh, no, I'm sorry, that's the winter. On, on the summer uh, grazing, we had about 
12 different uh, species of, of product out there in the field. Uh, we had mung bean, uh, sunflower, okra, and it's, it's interesting that okra is a natural dewormer for cattle. And so we didn't have to use the, something that was more, you know, uh, toxic, if you want to call it that, for them. Uh, but then all of our grasses are out there. Well, it had rained and we had really good uh, forage and it was probably six to eight feet tall. And we had some wild dogs that knew our cattle were there. And because those cattle were in forage that was taller than they were, it was pretty easy to spook them. And so we were behaving, you know, doing our behavioral stuff well so that we didn't spook them. Well, we had some wild dogs come in and they started running our cattle and they went through our electric fence and it had just rained so it was pretty easy to see where they came out of the fences and then there was about 200 head of cattle those cattle weighed about 1100 pounds or something like that a thousand to 1100 pounds so they were making a pretty good uh, footprint yeah and so they broke up into about three or four different groups and we didn't know how far they had traveled so we get horseback and we started tracking them and we realized that, you know, by the, we'd already, they'd already broken into now five or six different groups and we said this is going to be much more difficult than we thought. So we hired our priest who was a pilot and, 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 and I was a pilot too. So he rented the plane and we got in there and it was a high wing so we could look down really easily and we just slowed that plane down. and. Eventually, we found like seven different groups of cattle, ten miles, ten miles, ten miles. from where our place was. They went on to the biggest ranch in Lynn County. It's about 55,000 acres, and it's across the road from us. They have row crop, but then about three more miles into, into that row crop, you finally hit their pasture land, and, and like I said, it was 55,000 acres of uh, native grass, and so... Um, with the airplane, we found where they should be, uh, and so then we got our son. We had a drone. He knew how to operate it, and so he had to fly the drone over thousands of acres, but we kind of knew where to focus was around the water tanks and where the shade trees were, and we identified these different groups and said, okay, they've gone to water. They've traveled quite a while, quite a ways, uh, and they're going to be there for a while, and so then we got all of our neighbors involved, and so there were like eight of us horseback, and we broke up into three groups and went after those seven groups. It took three days of doing this, and then finally the last day when we had them all together in one group, we began to drive them back that 10 miles, and, you know, doing this over a three-day period, it was pretty exhausting, but it's exactly what, you know, the what time, you that's what you do. You just got to man up and stay on that horse and keep going. We packed in a lot of water. And uh, so, you know, on the third day, we're finally coming back to the pasture. Uh, you know, you can see it three miles away in West Texas. And, and you know, after a certain amount of time, we got them all back into the pastures and fixed the fence. I, I do want to share a, a cute mom thing. Um, our son, adult son, um, in his young 20s, was the one that was flying the drone, but he also was one on horseback. But with us having that, needing that much manpower to bring that many cattle back, um, he ended up on a horse where the saddle, just he couldn't fit in the saddle, he was too big. So he literally had to be standing in stirrups. And I've, but all of your podcasts that I've been listening to 
sometimes there's a reference about, you know, you just got to man up and you got to do it. And, you know, that was one of those times he just manned up for eight hours in this saddle that he didn't fit in just because we had to get those cattle back. <laughs> so it was a 14, it was no fabulous swim. It was a 14 inch, and he needed to be in a 15 and a half inch. That's, yeah, that's a big difference, you know. And, and for anybody that's never been in a saddle, you want it to be comfortable. You want your you want your legs to be in the right position. There's a yeah. there's a form of bracing that you have to do, and your 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 butt your ass gets worn out. And so yeah. that's that's impressive because that's hard to do. Anybody that goes on vacation and they get in all that little uh, what was that city slicker mode, and you know they go out and ride a horse, they usually last about an hour or two, and then they're done. And, right, and then they're walking bull like. <laughs> And we had this one one steer that was just pretty high-headed, and we didn't keep him very long. But, oh, my gosh, we'd have them all in a group. And to have a 100 or so uh, in one group and then another 100 in a group behind that uh, is, a, is a pretty good number of animals. And this one would break and just take off running through the scrub, uh, the, the mesquite trees, and, he, and it tends to lead the others to want to follow. So you had to have a couple of guys keep them in place so they didn't run uh, with the, the runaway. And then we had to chase that one. And we probably chased him back to the, to the group probably 10 different times. And you're just, you're just running that horse as hard as it'll go to first try to get ahead of the steer, which is a race. And then once you get ahead of him, you got to turn him. And then you eventually got to get him back into the to the herd. And get everybody calm. And get everything back to calm. <laughs> and then it's calm for about an hour or two. And then here he goes again. And he makes another break for it. And it happened over and over again. Yeah. And that just, you know, wears you out. But it, it's kind of a good feeling. It's, you know, you know you're getting the job done. And you're going to get them home eventually. Well, so. it reminds me of, you know, that I don't know if you've read that uh, article that we put out on the Substack the last week or so. And it's the Texas Cattle Drive, right? Yeah, and, and, and you guys are right there. You guys were right next to the, the Goodnight Trail is what you were yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah. <laughs> we had our own little trail there. Yeah. You did. I mean, what a great, not a great experience. What a uh, empowering experience. Did you save all the cattle? Did you lose any? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Every one. Every one. 200 of them, right? Yeah. And, yes. and they would not normally go through an electric fence, but if there's wild dogs, that are spooking them, uh, they don't stop for anything. It, it doesn't care. They don't care what they go through. Yeah, at that point, yeah. You but guys? Yeah, we got them, got them all back, and, and they everybody calmed down, and we had enough time to really calm them down, get the adrenaline back out of them, and they ended up being good animals. So, so speaking of adrenaline, that was another point that we were going to make uh, of, of how hard we work as holy cow beef uh, on a almost a daily basis. I'll share part of our routine. We don't let the water tanks go completely dry every day, but we, we definitely let it get low. And then we'll go turn on the irrigation well. Since we don't have earth tanks, we're watering uh, out of, you know, regular tanks. And those cattle will come to water. And we're deliberately, they're getting out of our pickup or off the horse, and we walk around our cattle, literally. Uh, and, and they'll move away from us a little bit, but time after time doing that, you know, day after day, it really gentles their nature. And our goal is to try to reduce the amount of adrenaline that is pumped into the muscles 
when they're excited and get anxious. And we go so far as to we put them into the pens, load them onto our trailers that have metal gates. And you know what it's like. You're shutting those gates, Slim, and it makes a pretty loud noise. And, it, and it's something they haven't heard before. And by the time they go to our processor, they've been on that trailer probably a dozen times and in the pens where we're shutting the gates and they'll lock automatically when you shut them and it's metal on metal. And the first few times you do that, it really stirs them up. But by the time they've done it as many times as we do it, they just think it's another day. And so when we load them in the trailer to go to the processor, it's not an unusual event for them. And it has really improved our flavor profile by not having the adrenaline. And in my opinion, we raised buffalo for 10 years trying to get that adrenaline out of their meat. And we were unsuccessful since they're really wild animals. Since they're wild animals, uh, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. But since they're wild animals, that's just their nature. And, and we, we ceased to do that. It just didn't work for us. Uh, but with, if your meat and beef tastes like uh, bison, then it's because of the adrenaline. If it's just slightly gamey, it's because they got excited right before they were put down. And so our goal is to get that out of, out of their system and, and tame their, their, you know, just further domesticate them and put them at ease. Uh, and it makes a big difference. No, I'm glad you brought that up, Weldon, because I was having a talk with uh, 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 somebody that had bought, uh, uh, I, I believe it was a full cow, and they, they ended up spending like $4,000 on a full cow, and that that hanging weight was really low, and they they talked about it basically being you know fishy and gamey. And I think that's a big thing out there right now in these days and times. As far as hanging weight, uh, as far as when it's been harvested, and actually the adrenaline and what that that stress does to the taste profile, I think a lot of people need to understand that this is this is something that they need to know, and the best way that they can be educated that uh, about you know this 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 sequence of events that goes into harvest, as far as the the life of the cow. The, the, the stewarding of that cow's life and the stewarding of that cow's spirit at the very end, it matters. And, and with yeah. everything that you guys do, how important it is for you to basically harvest that animal in a way that the animal is honored. And then basically that, that by honoring that, that cow in that point in time, that the taste profile, the nutrition, everything is still kept intact that last part of that cow's life is so essential to basically you guys running a successful cattle business, you know. That's so true. And so I do want your listeners to know, though, because you used two references. You said a fishy kind of flavor and then a, a gamey flavor. Those are actually two very distinct flavors. And, right. And the gamey, the gamey part will also tend to be tough. So the gamey comes with top and hard to chew but the fishy the fishy thing is is actually a sign of high omega-3s yes so so that's actually a positive thing um jp is one of your business partners one of our customers and and he'll tell me he's like man that this week it was really fishy i'm like oh well there you go you got extra (laughs) omega-3 but um so it is kind of funny but people need to know that if, if your customers are saying that, that actually is a good sign. It means that you are getting those higher nutritional. 
And almost all feedlot cattle will never have that fishy smell, unless it's going rancid. And they, and they do tend to go rancid faster than grass-fed beef so or pasture-based beef. So, um, but, but it's the gaminess that you can actually cultivate out of them by keeping their spirits so calm and letting them know two-legged animals, that's us humans, our two-legged animals are not to be feared. And, you know, we're gentle and all of that. So that that's huge. Well, and we, I like to stress to the people that will listen to this that our cattle, we used to call them happy cows, uh, you know, because it, they have they have really good lives on a ranch, you know, when they're with operators like us. And there's many of people that do what we do. Uh, but they respect the lives of the animals. You can look into their eyes. Uh, you can look into them and, and know what they're going to be giving us as our sustenance and nutrition. Uh, and then you always, you know, fall in love with the special one. Uh, we kept number 36. She was my favorite heifer, and then she turned into a cow. And I could walk, you know, I could get out of the pickup wherever I'd be in the pasture, uh, honk the horn or hit my siren, uh, and uh, she'd be the first one to start walking toward us. And I'd give her a little treat when she got up to me, and I could literally feed her that treat out of my hand. I got to look her in the face, look her into her eyes, and then I could get either on my horse or the four-wheeler or whatever vehicle. And then she would follow me, and we just walked really slowly. You know, I'm not trying to drive them fast up to the pens. We'd just mosey our way back to the pens, and she'd be right behind me, and all the rest of the cattle would be right behind her. So that was a really low-stress way for us to move our cows since we had a good leader. And we kept her uh, as long as we could uh, because it's hard to find that kind of a leader that will, you know, the others will follow. And she trusted us and, and just knew we weren't going to, uh, you know, that we, we were caring for her. And so uh, you remember those. And, and you, always, you always try to find one that's going to be your leader. And, and she does a great job. So... Anyway. No, that's that's excellent. I mean, just being this close to the ranch, I mean, not everybody can go shake a rancher's hand, right? Um, you know, that's why I think this ranch talk is so important because it is. It's just those little little moments in time, those little relationships, those little memories that we get to build by this collaboration that we're forming through the Beef Initiative, and it gives it gives you guys a voice. And yeah. you know, that's something I I, I don't think that people understand and it's not because people don't want to understand it's basically because they don't have access to this type of information because the voice of the rancher has been stifled in so many different ways and this is yeah. how we kind of this is how we punch back we say hey no no more this is not acceptable this is how we treat the earth this is how we treat our animals this is how we treat our families these are our experiences this is real life. This is not some 24-hour news channel that's full of propaganda when it comes to food and spirit. And this is why I'm just so excited to do this ranch talk. Um, you know, and you you, you kind of talked about all the stories that we have. Well, I mean, Weldon, we're going to have, a I don't know, 100 episodes before people get tired of this, I think, because we got some stories so. to say. <laughs> Something that I know that's been talked about uh, before uh, but we wanted to emphasize it a little bit today. Uh, you know, we do rotational grazing, uh, and we're not quite as mob-oriented uh, as we used to be. We could have 200 animals on a five-acre track, and, you know, we're having to move them every day, uh, and, and that's 
really the most ideal situation, but it's very labor intensive. Uh, and so we've always done some form of rotational grazing. And there is nothing more satisfying to me personally that I can walk up to my electric fence gate. Uh, the cattle are almost out of the forage. You know, it's maybe got about four inches of standing uh, growth. And they, they know exactly what I'm there to do. I'm going to open that gate to the next section. And they all rush up to that gate. They start kind of getting a little crowded up there into that corner. And they're just going, okay, okay, come on, let's open it up, open it up. I'm ready to go in. And I, and I pull that handle off that electric fence, you know, and swing it back. And it, whether it's 50 or 200, they just rush into that next section of grass. And, and then and they put their head down before they even get, you know, 20 to 30 yards in there and start pulling that grass. And that is the sweetest sound for a person like me uh, to listen to because if you just stop and there's no noise, you can just sit there and listen to their legs moving through the grass and them pulling a bite of grass off the forage because it makes a unique sound as they pull it. You know, they don't, they don't pull it out by the roots. They're just they're, right. they're biting it, but then they kind of tug on it. And you can hear that tug, and there's 200 of them in there, and it's just bite, 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 bite. They're just taking their bites and walking through because they browse. They don't... You know, they always take a step, take a bite, take another couple of steps, take a bite, and they're swishing their tails and moving through the pasture. And I, I would stay there as long as I could to hear that sound because there's there's not anything else that duplicates that in ranching, just to be able to hear your cattle grazing. Yeah. That's so that, a, that, it's such that's a cool. that's a great point, Well, and because you know, I've even heard uh, like Jason, he talked about that same thing. It was like it, he he talked about whenever you can you can hear their teeth and you can see the 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 basically the the vapor coming out and as they're basically being the land tools that they are i mean that whole process right there is regrowing the soil you know growing the cattle growing us all all in unison and that's what people need to hear this is what is going on here this is this is the beautiful aspect of the lifestyle of of basically the stewardship and you know what better time to tell this story you know and here you guys are driving across the country to go to georgia and we're going to go tell some more stories here in georgia in just a couple of days i'm in nashville where are you guys right now are y'all still in texas no we're in mississippi you're in mississippi Mississippi right now so we're we're really close we're just like you said dawdling but i'll tell you one of my bucket list um wishes for georgia and it has to do with just what Weldon talked about. He just loved to stop and watch and listen to the for the with the cattle. Mm-hmm. Is that Will Harris talks about that often on some of his videos? Um, that one of his favorite things to do is to drive his pickup out there, drop the tailgate, and sit on the tailgate of his pickup with a glass of red wine and just watch and just listen to his cattle. And I'm a great big red wine drinker, so I've got a bottle earmarked for Will and Ann. And so I'm hoping <laughs> that I'm going to get an opportunity to sit on his tailgate with him and just sit and just watch the cattle. I mean, it's just one of the most beautiful and, and renewing things ranchers get to do. So it's just a pretty pretty cool thing. Slim, I've got something I'll share with you that I know you've done. Uh, and this is a tradition that my dad started uh, with our ranching. Uh, we would be working our calves. So he ran about 100 mama cows. That was all. But they were all registered. 
registered. So there was always a lot of paperwork involved, always knowing which you know calf belonged to which cow. And so it finally came time where we were going to cut our bull calves. And so uh, this was just our tradition. We had an old campfire, uh, a lot of rock on the ground where our pens were. And so when you finish, so we set up, start early in the morning, so you're never dealing, you know, doing this in, in the heat of the day. Uh, but we're castrating, and when we end up with all those calf fries, we have them in a bucket. Uh, <laughs> then we we have we have a good fire going. Always had some good mesquite wood, which is a really hot fire. Uh, but we had an old stripper front front row stripper where you have your wheel guard. Uh, that shields the, the tires, that was our fire guard, and right. then the grill was underneath that. So we always had a pot of coffee going. You know, we're starting probably, you know, six, it's always, what do we call it? Um, that, well, daylight 30, you know, it's, you know, 30 minutes out before daylight uh, comes up. Uh, and so we'll have the coffee on the, on the grill, and then we throw those, you know, we'll call them nuts, uh, on the fire, and... You know when they're done because it's like popcorn. They pop, <laughs> and, and you can take you put a fork into that, and you take your knife and you just cut off the meat part of it. Yeah, and that's your breakfast. But I mean, for probably ten years in a row, uh, that was our tradition. We'd cut our bull calves, uh, drink coffee, and have breakfast. Uh, I love that. Girl, well, you know, some girl when I was young said, "Hey, you've got to go to this." really cool restaurant they serve calf fries and i said i've eaten all the calf fries i ever want to eat <laughs> <laughs> okay i got two stories and it's hilarious that you brought that story up well then i just had a team meeting for you know the conference you know uh our great little team that we have in the beef initiative and um it was adam it was uh Teresa, and it was uh jason and erica and you know i told them i said okay we're going to start having this new thing and you know it's the cattleman's kill it and grill it well cole's got a story on that one and it, ha it involves calf fries okay well my calf fry story is exactly they do they pop like popcorn when they get hot enough and everything and it, that is it's breakfast it's cowboy coffee and calf fries where well, we call them ball you know we call them balls you call them nuts whatever you want to call them but once okay this was the introduction for me as a child we've got the big texan you know in amarillo right 72 okay. ounce steak and all that and a lot of people don't realize what that is it's a 72 ounce steak you can eat it in an hour you get it for free and of course you got to eat all the fixings well they used to of course sell calf fries and so here my parents were being parents and you know they 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 brought us to the big Texan. and you could ride a horse in the parking lot up to the you know the door and it was all that kind of touristy stuff well hell one day they took us up there and it was like early evening i don't know we'd been working or something like that and so we went to the big texan and it was a place we always went because of steak and all that kind of, it was entertainment for the children. Well, the children, me and my brother, basically, we ate probably four big old baskets of these chicken balls. And we didn't know what chicken balls were, but they, 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 they tasted like chicken. So we thought they were chicken. So we just, we just gorged on chicken balls. And that's what my dad called them. He called them chicken balls. And so that's how he introduced us to eating calf fries. And so, oh. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's funny. That is hilarious. Uh, I have uh, a second, th another thing to share. Anne's, you know, from the city. Uh -huh. And of course, moved her out to the ranch after my stroke. 
and you know our our style of living really changed and Anne would you know continue to talk to her family they're all still living in the city yeah and it, it was finally the year for the Warrens to host uh, their Christmas uh, and so we all get together in one location uh, every Christmas, but it was their time to come to Texas. And it so, was my family's time to come to our home. Right. All the Schaefers for, from Ann's family came out to the country. And I mean, we lived in the country. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. it Perfect. Was six miles down a really narrow dirt road yeah. uh, to get to us. And I mean, we were right on the Brazos River. And so, mm -hmm. um, anyway, we set up this contest where we divided the family into two teams, and I was not able to be on a team since, you know, we knew how to do all this. Uh, but they had to do cow chip uh, uh, tossing. <laughs> they tossed cow chips. They had to throw a, a rope or a lariat over the, the bull's head sure. uh, of, a, of a dummy that was, you know, stuck into a bell of hay. Yep. We had mutton busting. Yeah. We had shooting the twenty two pistol or rifle at a silhouette. We had a milking contest. You had to get enough milk out of that cow to drink it, uh, and then we. Uh, we also had the bull. You had to. We had yeah, this. Is, Lido, yeah, the bull. We had a a bull. Um, I'll tell Angus. you about that. But anyway, it's a big old black Angus bull, and you had to feed him, so you had to hold your hand flat. And he was super gentle, super wonderful. But for city people, it was still very intimidating sure. to hit, to hold your hand flat. Um, well, this was a speed thing. You know, how fast can we get through the line of people on your team feeding this one little bitty cube to this big giant bull? 2,200-pound bull. Yeah. And so my, my older sister, she walked up there, and she put her hand out, and she just put it all the way in his mouth, and we're all like, ah! <laughs> but Rito didn't care. He just took that little treat, and she moved to the back of the line. So it's, it's funny. I love that. It's it's like a it's like your you have your own little ranch rodeo, right? And That's what it was. We called it a cowboy Christmas, and everybody had to wear cowboy hats and do all these western things. Well, we've so. got all the photos, uh, all these city folks wearing their straw hats or their felt hat, yeah. uh, boots that were probably too big for them. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know what's coming? Do you guys still do you guys go to the ranch rodeo? The internet, the ranch rodeo they have in uh, Amarillo. Do y'all do y'all ever go to that anymore? No, not as much. I mean, we unfortunately it's still been most of the time. We that. went to Graham uh, to the ranch rodeo there. Right. We've been to probably four or five a year for the for the first ten years. And our ranch manager um, is a roper, and so we if when we go we have, we follow him. You know, awesome. We, we go to yeah. So that's pretty cool. He qualified for the Stanford Rodeo. I don't know if you know how that works, but it's yeah. on a point system. Yeah. You know, how well you do in all the rodeos prior to the Stanford Rodeo, and he qualified on points. He and he's the he's the um, he's the healer, and his partner's the header. Right. Uh, and so they, they, they've done very well for several, several years. And so, anyway, well, yeah, just... Lots of fun. Well, I think what we're going to do, especially within the Beef Initiative, we're, you know, what we're doing is we're bridging, you know, we're bringing a bridge to a lot of different, uh, you know, ways of life. We're doing a lot of uh, bridging of basically um, understanding of culture. And we're going to let's start inviting people to some rodeos. Let's let's get yeah. people out to the rodeos. Let's get sure. away from, you know, the, the get out of the house. And we're going to, you know. 
we're going to start doing these micro summits and you know you and i have talked about a man a little bit and and what we're going to do is we're going to have a micro summit up there in canyon on october uh 14th and 15th and we're going to talk heritage and we're going to talk basically food intelligence and we're going to talk about food sheds we're going to talk about culture legacy processing centers and it is. It's going to be a micro food summit, and it's right there at Connor Park. And I got the pavilion. They have a new pavilion awesome. up there, so it'll be awesome. October in West Texas. Is nothing better. It's beautiful. Yeah. And 100%. Uh, and then 100%. we're going to just start introducing this new international lifestyle that everybody's going to come along with. And uh, we're going to keep on pumping out these episodes. Um, we're at 40 minutes. See, we went long. See how long these conversations can go already. I mean, we can talk and we've got to basically, you know, we got to get to Georgia. I'm, I'm heading over to, I'm heading over to the offices here in Nashville and we're planning out basically, uh, something in December. We're planning out next year's annual Tennessee beef initiative, uh, summit. That'll be an wow. annual thing, and you know, all of us are coming along for the ride. We're gonna, we're gonna be, be I, I think what we're gonna turn this into is like a rodeo circuit. I think that's I a. It. Let's do it, right? Yep, let's yep, do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Yep. All right. Well, tell everybody how they can get to know Holy Cow better. That way, we can do our little plugs, and oh, yeah. uh, for everybody to know, uh, Holy Cow is now doing subscription models in the Beef Initiative. So go to thebeefinitiative.com, go into subscription. It's right there on the homepage. And Ann and Weldon, you take it from here, and I'll close this out. Okay. We also, um, JP's going to start doing boxes. We just needed him to wait until after Georgia. So you'll see that coming up in the next couple weeks. We'll be on the Beef Initiative with boxes as well. Um, and you can just find us at holycowbeef.com. Pretty easy. And it's um, just our, you read our story because it's a great health journey story. Just is very, very encouraging for anyone who's struggling with any kind of health issues. So um, anyways, that's just the best way to find us. So it's been great talking to you, Slim. Well, I'm going to search y'all down. When are y'all getting to Georgia? I'm getting there Thursday night. Yeah, we are too now. Okay. Um, Annalise, so yep, we'll be there. Okay, I'm bringing Annalise with me. So yes, she's riding from Nashville, and uh, we'll be heading out Thursday right after lunch. And so we'll all be in contact that day. Uh, everybody else, get in your cars. You can still get tickets. Get to yep. uh, Bluffton, Georgia, White Oak Pastures. Go to beefinitiative.com, uh, and uh, we're going to have a big old family reunion. You can still get there. You can get a one day ticket if that's all you need, or you can get the three day. Um, remember, you betcha. All right. We're going to continue these ranch talks with Texas Slim. This is uh, Ann and Weldon Warren of Holy Cow Beef. Uh, they're on their way to Georgia. Why aren't you? We are podcasting 2.0, and um, we love that you love listening. We'll talk to you soon, guys. Appreciate Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And don't forget, uh, you can get all information through beefinitiative.com. You can also go to texaslim.substack.com. You can do a search on Texas Slim's vision. Check out our podcasting. You can go to now at TX Slim Media on Twitter. Our media channel is producing, and we have an audio docu-series. Our episode two will be, be releasing, hopefully within the next week. It is about the Heritage Woman. We love you guys. Uh, go help out. Time talent, treasure. We're doing this. We're grassroots. 
We're grass-fed. Come along for the ride. This is the new international lifestyle. It's based on value-for-value -value exchange. We've got a cattle drive. Come join us.